was bad at everything. <laughs> I was bad at every part of making a video that I could have been bad at. I remember I've taken my first video down for a long time now, but I can't even get myself to watch it anymore because it's so embarrassing. I was so nervous. I was like visibly shaking and my voice was shaking because I was so scared just to be talking to a camera in my room. I was bad at editing. I was bad at um, script writing because in the beginning I wrote scripts for all my videos. Wasn't good at getting that done. The content I made was just really bland. Like I was bad at every part of making videos. But even right off the bat, I knew that it was something I really enjoyed doing. Welcome back to the Creator Nation podcast, where we interview your favorite creators from around the world to find out their processes, inspirations, and journeys as creators. I'm your host, Ashwin Krishnan, and our guest for the day is LED, the lifestyle vlogger with over 100,000 subscribers on her channel. In this episode, Ellie talks about how she went from a few hundred to over 100,000 views over the course of one video, how she figured out her style of vlogging, and how she constantly tries to gain the algorithm. You're listening to another episode of the Creative Nation podcast, powered by CreatorStack. LED, I think uh, you are a person who can make content out of absolutely anything. Like I, I think I can put kitchen and uh, you would you would make fun stuff to watch. I could definitely give you a scissors. Scissors seems to be your your content sort of prop of choice, and I think you could make like yeah. years worth of content with just uh, with just a scissors, which is really cool. So the first question, let's just talk about how you got introduced to YouTube, right? I mean, I've been watching YouTube for so long. For as long as I can remember, I've been watching so many YouTubers and so much content. And my favorite has always been uh, comedy-based content. So I was never known as like a funny person growing up. I was always so quiet and so reserved. I was just so um, entranced by these funny YouTubers and all the content they would make. And I wanted to be like them so bad. So it was just like about three years ago, I think, I finally worked up the courage to give it a shot and try to be funny on my own. It didn't work at all in the beginning. It was not good. It was not a fun look, but it got me to where I am today. So I had a pretty rough beginning. I had a rough introduction to YouTube, but uh, I'm, I am glad that I took that risk and picked everything off. Right. How do you mean rough though? I was bad at everything. <laughs> I was bad at every part of making a video that I could have been bad at. I remember I've taken my first video down for a long time now, but I can't even get myself to watch it anymore because it's so embarrassing. I was so nervous. I was like visibly shaking and my voice was shaking because I was so scared just to be talking to a camera in my room. I was bad at editing. I was bad at... Um, script writing because in the beginning I wrote scripts for all my videos wasn't good at getting that done the content I made was just really bland like I was bad at every part of making videos but even right off the bat I knew that it was something I really enjoyed doing I think that's something that you really enjoy doing is is true for a lot of YouTubers right but for different reasons Mm -hmm. I think it is for you what do you enjoy about the YouTube game so much for me YouTube has always been an outlet for me to get out like all of my more personal thoughts and like aspects of my personality that I maybe don't show around other people. When I first started making videos, something people would tell me a lot, people who knew me in real life, they would say that they never knew that I could talk this much or they never knew that I was funny because I'm, I'm just very quiet in person. I don't like speaking a lot. I don't like drawing attention to myself, which is funny given my current profession, but in face-to-face interactions, I don't really like the attention so much. So making videos 
has always been an outlet for me to get all that energy out. I think the more introverted you are, I think the more things you have like going inside your head, you know, and you're probably yeah, like helping yeah. yourself from voicing all of your funny little sort of opinions, right? Yeah, for sure. Can can you talk about the first video of yours that really blew up? Yeah, my first video that blew up was a video called "Cutting My Own Hair with Fabric Scissors." That was a really fun one to make. I had been wanting to make it for months before I finally worked up the courage to do it because I was so sure I was going to destroy my hair. But I knew it would be fun to do, and I kind of had a feeling that it would get more views than my normal videos because that type of video, like they just perform really well on YouTube. I guess people like to search for them a lot because they always end up really funny. It's just nice to watch people fail sometimes. And the YouTube algorithm seems to really push videos like that too. So before that video, I really hadn't seen any amount of success on YouTube. I had been posting for a long time and never got many views for it, never had many subscribers. I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. But when that video got posted, it wasn't until maybe a month or two after I uploaded it, that it actually started taking off. And when it took off, like it went fast. I went from like maybe a couple hundred views on it to like hundreds of thousands of views within a week. And I actually gained about 30,000 subscribers in that one week. So that was the video that sent it off for me. And it's still the video that's seen the most success on my channel. Crazy, crazy. 30,000 subscribers over a week. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. People kill for those numbers. That's mad. So would you say... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I haven't seen stuff like that since either. It was the by far the biggest uptick in views and subscribers I've ever had on my channel. This was two years ago, right? I think it, it was actually just a little over a year ago. Yeah. Very yeah. recently. Is that when you sort of figured out that there was a formula here for you to crack? Yeah, for sure. Ever since then, I've noticed that all the best performing videos on my channels are the ones related to me messing around with my hair. So, which is nice because I like to play around with my hair. I've always liked dyeing my hair. I like to cut my own bangs and stuff. It's really fun for me to do on my own. So for me to be able to just film it and make a video at it and you know, see other people enjoy it with me, that's always been really fun. A year and a half ago, you thought, hey, there is definitely a formula here for me to crack. And then mm-hmm. have you sort of been... Uh, you know, consciously trying to figure out exactly what what people want to see plus, you know, maybe what the algorithm also, you know, pushes in your favor? Yeah, for sure. It's been really difficult. The YouTube algorithm is so complicated. It's really hard to figure out sometimes and I still haven't gotten there completely. I know that most of my subscribers really enjoy seeing the hair-related content because most of them came from that one hair video. So I try to keep content like that coming out relatively consistently it's something i like doing and it's something people like seeing so i try to stick with that but other than that it can be hard to figure out what content people want to see besides that because all of these subscribers came in from that one shared interest me cutting my hair so it's hard for me to find other shared interests among them but i find that most of my subscribers are like women around my age they like messing with their hair and they like seeing other people mess with their hair so other things like uh, makeovers or just hanging out and talking with friends, that's other stuff that people seem to enjoy. And it's stuff that I really like doing too. So it's just hard to pinpoint. It's really hard to say, but generally, I think my audience and the algorithm like videos where we can hang out and do goofy stuff together and kind of indulge in things that we all want to do, but maybe we've all been a little too scared to do. Right, right. So essentially, 
a safer place to just be a little more wonkier than usual. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's let's go back to your process again, right? So you mentioned that you started off writing scripts and everything. So what is it now? Do you always have a storyline that you adhere to or a script that you sort of follow? No, I think I enjoy my content a lot better. And I think it comes off as a lot more fun and genuine when I don't write scripts. Most of my videos um, aren't formatted in a way that I could write a script for. So a lot of the stuff I do is I might bake or I might just like vlog my day or do a makeover or something. And that's not something that I could write a script for. But even when I am in situations where I could, I find that my videos come off a little better when I don't. I think when I script things too carefully, it just, it seems a little fake. It feels a little forced to me. It doesn't feel as genuine. And I definitely want to come off as being genuine in my videos. And I think that's something that my subscribers like to see more of too. So I, I haven't written scripts since the very beginning of my YouTube channel. And I think my videos are much better. Right, so you just sort of switch on your camera and you just let LED do her thing. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like something you can't really replicate, which is which is uh, something that will definitely work in your favor, I think. So let's talk about your journey, right? Uh, so how was your journey from a zero to a thousand subs? Was that uh, how how easy, hard was it as compared to you know from a thousand to a ten thousand? My journey from zero to a thousand was it took the most time between any other landmark I've hit yet. It actually took me a little over two years of posting videos before I hit a thousand subs, which I've read is very normal among YouTube channels. For most people, it takes them about that much time to build up subscribers. YouTube is just a really hard platform to get views on. So it was really slow. It was kind of frustrating at times because you just feel like you're going absolutely nowhere. But it helps to look at other creators and talk to other people who had the same experience. It really is just the way that YouTube works. It's not easy to build subscribers. It's not easy to get views on this platform. So those first two years were the slowest for me by far. And then, like I said, almost immediately after I hit 1,000 subscribers, that was when my haircutting videos took off. And so I went straight from 1,000 to 30,000. And then my channel kept going up pretty quickly after that. So you think that it's essentially just keep making stuff until you figure out like a strategy, which you only sort of experiment to find out. And then it will take you to the next level of subscribers yeah for sure and i had kind of a weird my journey in building subscribers was kind of weird i think and most of the youtubers that i follow and that i've seen it's much more of a linear climb like they do have bigger upticks in gaining subscribers but for the most part they're on a pretty even uh incline in their subscriber growth so for me to have such a slow rate of growth and then this big boost out of nowhere was kind of strange i think i did just happen to like stumble across the right formula, which was my haircutting video for me. But for a lot of other people I've seen, that's not necessarily the case. So I tend to be pretty careful in, like when people ask me for advice, I don't often tell them to count on my success story to be the same as theirs, because I don't think mine is a very common one in this space. For sure, for sure. That 30,000 uptick sounded crazy the first time I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> so was 30,000 to 100,000 slower or was that... Did that happen as quickly as the other one as well? Things that happened a lot slower there. I think, how long did it take me to hit 100,000? I think from 30,000, it took me maybe eight or nine months to get to 100,000 from there. So things did slow down a lot after that first week. And I had, I had a lot of periods where I would see very little subscriber growth, maybe because I just wasn't uploading very much or because I wasn't uploading content that people really wanted to see. And then I would have 
periods where I would gain like several thousand subscribers at a time. And we would have a lot of growth in a very short amount of time. And that's been my experience on YouTube for the most part. We just see like moments where everything's slowing down and I feel kind of discouraged and like I'm not doing anything right. And so I try out some new things and I ask my subscribers what they want to see from me. And then I kind of get back on track for a little bit and things start moving up again. It sounds like there were uh, quite a few sort of moments of doubt in that journey, right? Oh yeah, for sure. What advice would you give to somebody who is on that journey, who is in one of those downturns? Like how, how does he sort of keep on pushing through? Yeah, it's something you've got to remind yourself that this just happens on YouTube. Like I could say it a hundred times in this video, but that is just the way YouTube works. It is so hard to get views on this platform. It's so hard to get more subscribers. So you've got to keep that in mind. I think you've got to be making content that you care about personally. So you're able to keep yourself motivated and you're able to enjoy the process even when you're not seeing success in numbers. Because when I'm making videos that I really care about, I find that I, I'm a lot more okay with the slow moments than when I'm just pushing out content that I think other people want to see or that I think is going to work with the algorithm, even though I'm not invested in it and I don't like making it. Right. I think that's a super important point, right? Like, Because I think those are the two sort of qualities your videos have to have. One is you are making stuff that you know that the algorithm uh, will sort of push. And the other is, hey, you're making yeah. stuff you also sort of enjoy making. And the wherever that Venn diagram sort of meets, that's the place you should be making videos from, right? Yeah, definitely. Let's let's talk about the gear that you use, right? What What camera do you shoot your videos with? I film on my iPhone and I've been filming on my iPhone uh, for as long as I've been on YouTube. Yeah, I know some YouTubers with millions of subscribers who frequently say that they still film on their iPhones. They're still using very simple gear. I've thought about upgrading to a camera a few times, but I almost like how casual it feels to film on something as simple as a phone. I like that it's something so accessible for anybody. And I've always liked the side of YouTube that was more casual and it was just more about normal people producing videos for other normal people i think this really feeds into that feeling when the video quality isn't as amazing as it could be and the audio doesn't sound fantastic it feels more like you're seeing something from a friend or from someone who but just from normal people which is what i think youtube was built on right was this concept that anyone can make videos and anyone can be entertaining and anyone can find an audience and you don't need to have super expensive equipment for that Right, so you want to sort of hold on to that that nature of YouTube, right? Yeah. Let's let's talk about your editing process. Uh, how long does it take for you to edit a video, Ellie? I think on average, I spend somewhere around twenty hours per video. Yikes! So I have a, a yeah, I have a pretty long editing time, but I I think I edit my videos a lot more than maybe the average person does because so much of my focus on my videos is in injecting my personality into my videos through my editing. Like I want it to be funny. I want it to be eye-catching. I want it to keep people entertained. For sure, for sure. All of of the the robotic woman's voices. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but that's hilarious. (laughs) Thank you. But 20 hours is quite a bit. Uh, That's a large impact, right? Yeah, for sure. I know a lot of other YouTubers with my editing style spend about that same amount of time editing than I do. So it's not unusual in the genre I'm in, but I watch so many YouTubers whose content I love and who I think it's so good. And, you know, they'll post on Twitter that they're starting to film uh, a video and then like three hours later, it's up on YouTube. And sometimes I am just so jealous because that turnaround time is amazing. If I'm making videos the way I want to make them, that's never going to happen for me. 
I'm never going to be able to push out content that quickly. Would that be something that um, you would want help with? If you had to choose like one thing in the in the process of creation for you to sort of automate, would that be the thing that you choose? Or I don't know, I'm just pushing that out there. What, what do you think that you would? Yeah. yeah, I've actually thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I've had offers from editors sometimes and every once in a while I consider maybe letting someone help me out, but I always end up turning them down because I feel like so much of my videos, so much of the, of the personality in my videos is, is my editing. And if I were to hand that over to someone else, I think a lot would be lost in that. Like I always use them as an outlet for my personality. So I want my personality to read in them. And if I were to have someone else come in and do, you know, all my fancy editing, all my jokes, I think that would be lost. That's something I've noticed a lot of other YouTubers in my genre do too. When they get editors, even if they don't announce it, it's something you can see in their videos, which is no shade to them. Like no tea, no shade whatsoever. Because I absolutely understand why people need to bring in editors. Like it just takes so much work to do stuff like this. But for my content personally, I don't think it's something I could do. I'm kind of a control freak as well. And I just can't hardly imagine giving someone else that much uh, creative control over my product. Probably not. It's probably not something I'll ever do. At most, I might have someone come in and help with maybe the rough cuts if I really need it. But for the actual editing, like for the finished product that everyone ends up seeing, like I got to have my hands in that. I got to be the one doing that work. Right. So you're not going to be giving up creative control anytime? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you kept mentioning other YouTubers that whose content you enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. Who are these people? Who are these people that you sort of go, hey, these guys are doing it right? Uh, there are a few YouTubers whose videos, like, I'll just watch anything they put out. I think they are so incredibly talented and so funny. And these are the same YouTubers who have basically inspired me for my entire journey. I have so many, but I'm going to try to keep it limited to maybe just a few. So some of my favorite content creators are commentary channels like Curtis Connor, Danny Gonzalez, Drew Gooden. I love their content so much. I think they are just like some of the funniest people on the platform and I'll watch anything they put out. They were such an inspiration to me in starting my channel because they were the people whose videos I spent the most time watching. I thought their senses of humor were just amazing. Their ability to make you laugh uh, with anything they put out. It's just something really special. It's not something that I've seen a lot of other creators. And it's something that I really want to be able to emulate in my own content. So like one thing that I really enjoy about their content is that they can make anything funny. Like in their videos, I've never skipped an ad read from them because their ads are some of the funniest parts of their videos. They managed to inject their humor into everything. So I haven't been able to do a lot of ad reads myself because I'm still pretty new to doing this as like a career. But when I do get to do them, I try to keep that same kind of energy. Like I want to keep things entertaining. I don't want the video to slow down in the middle so I can do a really boring and like bland ad read. I want to keep things funny. I want to keep things entertaining. And that's something that I picked up from them. Nice, nice. That's very specific, right? Like I I liked how you said that you like this part and that part. And uh, you know, you you sort of want to pick that up from them. Like what are the things like that do you think that you'd want to pick up from from your favorite creators? I really like their editing styles, which is something that's definitely fed into mine. So another creator that I really like is like Emma Chamberlain. Her channel is so iconic and her editing style is so iconic. Also, um, people like Joanna Sevia or like Enya. Their personalities are just so bold and so they just draw you in immediately. No matter what they're doing, like I could sit there and watch them do anything. 
I can just listen to them talk about their days. I can listen to them talk about whatever they're interested in, even if I don't care about that thing myself, because they are just so bright and they're so friendly and so fun to be involved with. When you watch their videos, it kind of feels like you're sitting and having a conversation with a friend. That's so comforting and so nice to chill with. Like when you come back after a day of work and you've been really stressed out, that's the kind of content that I tend to lean toward. That's the one that I always come back to when I need some stress relief. If I'm feeling kind of down, if I'm feeling kind of lonely, those people are the ones who consistently pick me up. They're so funny, so friendly. They're so nice to listen to. That's something that I would really like to emulate in my own content as well. That feeling of sitting and having a conversation with a friend. I think you just described the feeling that most of your fans get from your own content, right? (laughs) Thank you. I hope they get that. I think that is something uh, for sure that your fans getting from it, right? The the fact that that you're relatable, you know, you're you're friendly, you're you're sort of in front of them on screen, but at the same time you are sort of sitting side by side to them and you're having like a conversation with them. That's what you, your videos feel, right? Thank you. I I really hope that's the impression people get. That's maybe one of the primary things I'd like to read through on my channel. Thank you. Cool. So let's just talk about your posting schedule. What's your posting schedule like? I try to upload once a week. I like mm-hmm. to upload um, on Thursdays or Fridays mostly. Um, so that's just what's convenient for me. And I think that's when a lot of my subscribers are online too. I'm not always the most consistent with that. It's something I've been working on a lot. Sometimes I just get a little bit distracted. I've got other things going on in my life and I forget to put as much work into my videos as I should be. But generally, my content, i got stuff going up about once a week. Right. Once a week is manageable, but there are... I'm pretty sure it still sort of does get in in the way of your life at quite a few times, right? Yeah, it can. So I'm basically a stay-at-home wife when I'm not making videos. I take care of the house, I do all the chores, I'm taking care of my my wild pets. So that takes up a lot of my time. Are you generally. talking about Fenrir? Yes, that is exactly who I'm talking about. When I came in here to film, I had to set up cardboard boxes outside of the doors so we couldn't scratch on the door. While we were filming in here. Because he hears me talking and he wants in on that. He wants in on that energy. Right, right. Wherever the camera is, that's where Fenrir is. Yes, always. Such a camera hog. So you're not too strict to your, about, uh, you know, sort of posting every, every week, right? No. No, I don't have a super strict schedule. It's mostly just whenever I have something finished. But I like to try to keep things roughly a week apart. So for a lot of creators, that tends to be the problem that the rate of churnout sort of like uh, makes them go, uh, you know, uh, inspiration left at the end mm-hmm. of a couple of weeks or you know, six months of creating. Yeah. Right? right. So how do you sort of, you know, keep the inspiration flowing? I already mentioned this before, but I think a really big part of this is making content that you enjoy making about topics that you personally are interested in. So for me, that's stuff like I really like making making videos. I've started blogging a little bit recently and I found that that's really entertaining and it's something that my subscribers seem to really like too. So when I'm making videos like that, I find that I don't get burnout as quickly because that's something that I genuinely enjoy doing with my free time. It's something that I, I really like making videos about it. I really like editing those videos. But even then, sometimes I do get a little more burned out than other times. Sometimes I just have to take a couple days off of YouTube. Like I just need to not be filming anything. I just editing anything if it means I, d- I get a video out a little bit later that sucks but sometimes it's just what's gotta happen and usually once I've taken a break like that and I've just 
been YouTube free. I've cleared YouTube out of my brain for a little bit. When I come back, I feel much more excited. It kind of breaks that cycle of monotony. And I feel really invigorated. I feel like I've got so many ideas built up after this and so much more passion, almost like I've returned to the excitement for what I had in the beginning. So basically just take a little break and then come back and regroup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so just going back to your schedule again, uh, can you just give me like a, let's say a day in the week of, how do you sort of manage your uh, creator schedule versus your home schedule? My creator schedule tends to end up uh, getting built around all the other stuff I have going on in my life. So some, some days I'll have a lot of time to work on it and I can get stuff done uh, really quickly. Sometimes I even have enough time to make multiple videos a week if I don't have a lot going on with my whole life. But usually I'll spend most of the day getting stuff done at home and then maybe a little later in the day once I've finished up all my responsibilities, then I can sit down in the evening and I can work on getting videos done. So it does kind of tend to get pushed to the side when I need to make space for all my other responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there isn't a time that you say, hey, this is my creator time, like seven to nine or you know, six to eight or whatever. You just sort of like finish off all your duties first and then you head on to. Yeah, that's something that works for me. I like having that flexibility in my schedule. I know that some people really need to have things like scheduled out. They need that rigidness in their time structure. I find that I don't work so well doing that. It makes me feel a little more stressed and I like being able to just work with things as time allows me to. Let's let's talk about the money aspect of things, right? Because I think that's mm-hmm. also something a lot of people want to hear. How much money are you making from the YouTube game right now? So I make enough money that it's about a part-time job and it varies a lot from month to month. But like in any given 28-day period, it could be anywhere from $300 if I've had a really slow month to like $1,300 if I've had a really good month. So it's not a reliable source of income at all for me right now, but it is something that helps out with a little bit. It's some, sometimes it's just enough money to do something like fun that week. And sometimes it's enough that it's a really nice addition to our income. Also, uh, as one of the hard parts and the good parts about, uh, I think, being a YouTube creator, because that, that you'd never really know what's coming up, right? So when it does come up and something good does come up, you have like this spike of like adrenaline and endorphins and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. one something yeah. lottery. That's what it feels like, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about brand deals? Though? What do you? What is your opinion about brand deals? I haven't done a lot of them yet. I was a little bit stressed to do brand deals in the beginning. There's always this fear that like people are going to think you're kind of a sellout or that you're being disingenuous when you take brand deals. So for the most part, I only agree to do deals with brands that I personally use myself that I really believe in. So I'd like to take brand deals only if it's something that I am already using or if it's something that I've started using recently and I really enjoy. I feel like if I've had the time to really become acquainted with that product or that service, then when I go to promote it to someone else, people can tell that it's genuine. I'm not just feeding them something to get a paycheck for myself. Like I actually believe in this thing and I actually think it would be good for other people. So authenticity comes first for you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, is there any particular way that you sort of get brand deals or do you just wait for them to come to you? Sometimes I go to companies that I like and I ask them if they'd like to do partnerships with me. I do get offers from other people though. Most of the offers I get from outside sources aren't really the best when you're getting brand deals on YouTube, especially when you're new to it and you're what to look out for 
I think you've got to be so picky and you've got to be really careful to weed out the ones who maybe are not so trustworthy because I get a lot of offers from people like that. So it can be really tempting to just take every deal you get because they start piling up a little bit and you realize how much money you could be making. But in the long run, I don't think it would be worth it. Right, right, right. So just stay away from things that you're not sure of, right? Yeah. What, what do you think the end goal is as a YouTuber right now? For me, the end goal has just been to be able to make this into my career. I've always loved YouTube so much. And for the longest time, my dream job was always to be a YouTuber. I know a lot of other people like to use YouTube as kind of a stepping stone for them to get into uh, whatever other workplace they want to be into. Maybe it's to get into TV or they've got a product they want to sell or they want to start their own beauty company. But for me, the end goal was always just YouTube. Like, this is what I love to do. And this is what I would really love to be doing in the future. So, you know, if a few years from now I can be able to turn this into my full-time job, that would be living the dream. Like, that would be I think you're halfway there. All right. I think more than a more than a halfway. That that was a bit of a undersell, I think. But yeah. Well, I got I got a ways to go. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Right, right. But you're gonna enjoy it as well. So. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. And your fans are as well. <laughs> Thank you. I hope they are. Okay. So, do you have any dream collaborations that that you have always wanted? Oh my gosh, yes! I can think of so many YouTubers I'd love to collaborate with. Some YouTubers that I've been keeping up with for a while and who uh, we've kind of like had growth at around the same period. And I've just been like watching them from a distance and admiring their content for so long are there's some smaller creators. So people like Lauren Brodauf uh, and Sydney Laban, they're both smaller creators. They're around the amount of subscribers I think I have. I think they're so talented and they're so funny. I would love to be able to make videos with people like them someday. But as for like the dream collabs, like, for YouTubers who are kind of way out of my league. I think it would be so fun to be able to collaborate with people like Emma Chamberlain or like, you know, Curtis and Drew and Danny, those people I, I just look up to so much. I think they're so talented in what they do. Even just to be able to like see their process in making videos, to get to be there with them while they're filming and editing and stuff, that would be so cool. That would be so much help to be able to see how they managed to pull off everything they have just to see them in action would be so amazing. But to be able to actually film a video with them, that would be like the dream right there. That would be so cool. I'm just catching on to this, but it feels like you're more interested in like finding out what works for them, how they sort of work their process more than actually collaborating, right? I think so. Because a couple of those people have actually posted videos of themselves editing and, you know, telling people, what their process is, how they come up with video ideas, how they film, how they edit. I actually have used those as a basis for a lot of what I do. It helps me improve in my videos a lot. To be able to see them in person and like ask them my questions that I have and to get their feedback on my videos would be amazing. That would be like YouTube gold right there. That would be the most valuable currency I could get on this platform. Super, super. That was very revealing because we are sort of trying to like figure out exactly how we can give you value, right? As a YouTuber. Yeah. Cool LED. I think I'm down with questions for today. Thank you so much. Okay, nice. The Creator Nation podcast. This was a lot of fun. I've, I think uh, you're a lot of fun to talk to. You're very easy to talk to. So yeah, I think you're an you. amazing guest to have been on the Creator Nation podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Do you, do you have any closing closing words for your fans? 
I guess, so if I could say one thing to my fans who are on here, maybe looking to start their own YouTube channels, or maybe they have channels and are looking to get more successful, the thing I tell people the most is that you really just got to commit to what you want to do on here. Like, you don't worry so much about what you think other people want to see or about just what the algorithm wants to see, but you have to find a way to balance what you want in it. People can see when you're doing things that you love, and people want to see you doing what you love. It's so much more entertaining. It's so much more genuine to see someone who is enjoying themselves in a space where they really feel comfortable. Awesome, awesome. I think I'm going to start a YouTube channel right after that now. <laughs> nice, I'll be waiting for it. Cool, LED. Thank you so much for coming on the Greater Nation podcast. We'll see you soon in one of your videos. All right, cool. Thank you so much. That was LED on the Creator Nation podcast. You can follow LED on our social profiles or on our YouTube profile. You can also follow Creator Stack on our social platforms to find out more stories about your favorite creators. Next week, we'll have on Nikhil Pandey, aka Captain Simbad. If you don't know who that is, you've just been doing YouTube wrong. Just kidding, Captain Simbad is just personally one of my favorite creators and he does a combination of self-help and comedy videos for the creative entrepreneur. He's a pretty awesome dude and we're psyched he's agreed to come on board. You'll definitely want to tune in for the next one. Till then, keep creating.